0: Hello and welcome to the Prima Materia podcast. I'm Pietro and I'm the owner and winemaker of Prima Materia Winery based in Oakland, California. I'm also a former chef. So with that in mind, we're gonna be discussing topics in the wine and food worlds, ranging from viticulture and agriculture, labor, things on the restaurant side of the spectrum, and inevitably we're gonna bring in a little bit of critical analysis and even talking about aesthetics. We want to be sure to include some real-world issues in all of this. If you have any thoughts or comments, please feel free to email or check us out on Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.prima-materia.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Prima Materia podcast. This is episode number one. Uh, Just sort of a quick check-in with the season and where we're at today. Uh, Two main things just to check up on. Uh, We are at August 29th. Interesting thing. It's been pretty warm and toasty up here in Lake County for the last month. We and the people around us went from being approximately two weeks late in the season to being uh, perhaps 10 days early. Uh, it's been a very rapid shift. Um, we had a very cool spring. We had a thunderstorm with three quarters inch of rain on June 8th or 9th. Uh, it really seemed like this season might go insanely late, but the temperature curve has really accelerated everything. Uh, block of San Giovese I have set aside for rosé use. I was figuring that might be a second week of September pick. Uh, right now it's at 22 bricks and 3.2 pH, which is... I should be picking it today. Um, but it's also been uh, very high 90s, very warm evenings. Uh, the vines are not sleeping. They don't really do much... They don't catch much of a nap as long as the temperature stays above 50, 55 degrees. So I'm also noticing in some of the other grapes, things like Dolcetto and Primitivo, which are a little bit problematic on the acid retention side. Uh, Verasion still has not completely finished. It's 90 7.98% of the way there. Oh, and Asian, incidentally, if you're not familiar, is when the grapes change color um, and the skins start to soften and it's really sort of the beginning of the final push towards harvest. Uh, Dolcetto is notoriously bad for us in our climate at 1,500 feet, highly acidic, volcanic soil. Uh, it just dumps acid like crazy. So right now, it would be the equivalent of about 10% alcohol and the acidity is already starting to make me nervous uh, in this warm weather. Um, Yeah, it's going to be an interesting harvest. Uh, Gonna try to hold off one more week, we have a cooling stretch coming and what I've learned with these, I wouldn't call this a heat spike because this has been pretty continuous. Um, But we saw some big heat spikes, uh, especially 2017 Labor Day, lots of 100, 105, 110, not that far from here, days, and it just completely whacked out the acidity in the vines to get into this mode of panic picking, Uh, and then after about 10 days, everything sort of finds its equilibrium, and you start wishing you had waited. Uh, Sometimes you even have things that sort of shut down the entire ripening process, and they never quite come back. Uh, We had that with Zinfandel last year. Our Zin is a touch below 13% alcohol for being late harvest Zin. Uh, Some disease in the vines, a little bit of virus coming out, multiple factors, but yeah, some... Know, whether or not there's warming or uh, chaotic weather issues definitely some things are changing in the vineyard so starting to really think about harvest uh, it's gonna be very compressed this year the last two have been leisurely nice spread out seven eight week period from the early picks like the Sangiovese and Dolcetto to the Alianico which always wraps up our season This year, uh, just judging by variation, everything is grouped together, like within a three-week window. So it's gonna be a mess. Every single container that can hold a grape is gonna be filled, I'm feeling it. Uh, Other than that, today we're gonna be bottling. So I'm just about to finish my two and a half hour commute up to the winery, start setting up for that. These are small lots we hand bottle we don't. We can't even get a truck in to the winery. These are things we didn't think about when we were pouring cement or uh, not writing a business plan like every winery should. Of course, if I had to do all do it all over again, bottling sucks. Uh, I would definitely be doing mobile bottling. Not to mention, it's just a million times faster. We're hand bottling uh, two bottles at a time. Nitrogen sparging. By eliminating capsules and not labeling, we can do 30 cases an hour, which is actually not bad. Um, Pretty, you know, we've been doing this for 10 years. I'm pretty dialed in on uh, what I think the oxygen pickup is. And it it works. And it's we're not paying $4 a case to do it. It's just labor. Um, So it does work for us. Uh, The odd thing today is that we're doing two very different bottling runs Both short, both only about three barrels. Uh, the first one is going to be Chardonnay. Um, th- this particular Chardonnay, uh, sometimes the Chardonnay is really, actually comes together really nicely. Uh, last year's, the last one we bought, 2017 Vintage, actually was surprised, uh, you know, 91.1 in the magazines for a stainless Chardonnay. No oak nothing fancy. Um, flavors just kind of came together nicely. This one has a little bit of a rescue job taint. Uh, in 2017 I also made Tokai and the grand idea with that was half neutral barrel aged because Tokai is a oxygen greedy grape it really likes to breathe a lot. Um, but uh, and then have two drums for crispness, freshness, hopefully bring those two things together. Tokai can get kind of overripe and flabby pretty easily. And when I say Tokai, I mean Tokai Friulano, which in, uh, Friuli is just called Friulano. Uh, came from Greg Graziano in Potter Valley. Really happy with it. Uh, the bad part was that I was using older drums, uh, to store the non-oak aged part portion. And the, uh, Uh, the threads were bad I had them sealed up as good as I could these were just used and sanitized plastic drums Uh, I was checking on them Uh, but sometimes you get to that point in storage where if you have a little bit of leaking oxidation everything kind of seems all right Uh, then all of a sudden the wine just collapses Uh, one of them went really bad and not using that the other one I was able to rescue and just in order to blend it out added it to the Chardonnay Um, seemed like a good idea at the time it raised the acidity on the Chardonnay uh, while giving it kind of a fleshy roundness now that I'm into it about eight months of aging I'm not super thrilled with it definitely lost some purity lost some focus lost some green apple kind of moving more into a flatter boring roan-ish white territory uh, but we'll see uh cleaned it up nicely ready to bottle uh, technically the acidity on it's really good but you have two competing varietals with very different palate feels textural feels uh, we'll see what happens with a little bit of, a little bit of aging. Um, not to mention it's a hundred degrees and when you're tasting it in the tank, just nothing tastes good. So we'll see how that comes out. Uh, this is a more orthodox one. Uh, this is a sulfured wine. Um, I'm not about to make a brown white wine. Uh, fairly low sulfur, but still it's, you know, more on the normal side. Uh, unfiltered, but it's got a year's worth of aging and had some leaves stirring on, so it's settled out really nicely, really compact, quite clean, uh, almost looks like it was filtered. The other side of that is that once we get those 70-80 cases bottled, I'm bottling an unsulfured wine, Uh, and this is a very weird one. This is an homage to the 2018 vintage. Uh, Fire, smoke, Uh, All sorts of ugliness, lots of stress, sleepless nights, moving cases far away in case the vineyard burns and the winery goes. Uh, So this one is kind of a conceptual three grape red blend of nothing but press wine. Uh, I separated the press fractions because of smoke concerns on some of the wines. Some of them I separated, some of them I didn't. Um, Partially as an experiment, partially as... A panic moment just nothing was feeling good during harvest 2018 uh, yeah uh, so this is a conceptual red blend a barrel of Dolcetto press a barrel of Primitivo press and a barrel of uh, two Brunello clones of Sangiovese press um, fruit looked very good last year I have a sneaking suspicion that there are some interaction issues that have not been ferreted out yet between SO2 and smoke compounds, Um, so I also wanted to, in general, with all the wines and... uh, because I want them to develop as much as they can before doing any sort of stabilization. Uh, I pushed unsulfured extra late. In fact, we're a year in and some things have never had a drop of sulfur at this point. I'm watching them very carefully. Uh, But uh, yeah, uh, smoke concerns are still ruling the day. This one, uh, so it's gonna be three barrels. It's all press wine. That means it's heavier on the tannin, it's darker on the color, big colloidal content, Uh, pH is high, you get a lot of potassium from the skins and that starts buffering the acidity. So this is more on the meatier, heavier weight. Definitely not orthodox for the current trend of hipster natural wine glue glue. Um, This is meaty, this is intense. when doing some trial runs of blending the barrels, this was hitting me that this has some of that resonance of the vintage of being an angry wine. I mean, it, it was, it was a very upsetting, trying, uh, fretful vintage. And when I started playing with these barrels and I went back and forth with ever, I was thinking actually they would never even be used. Um, This is an interesting way to use them. This will be a new label. This will be under free material, but this will be a red blend called the Catacon, which is a biblical concept, which also is relevant for political philosophy and some other things. Um, The Catacon is an idea of something. It's sort of like ripping the band-aid off or doing it slowly. Uh, Biblically, the catacomb is that which prevents the coming of the Antichrist. And I know that sounds big, but just ride with me here. Um, Prevents the coming of the Antichrist, which sounds like a good thing. Uh, But the flip side of that is that it prevents the coming of salvation at the same time. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned damned if you don't compromise. There are sort of two facets of it, one of which is if you don't, if you take this action, great suffering may come of it, but so will redemption and ultimately bliss, paradise, whatever. Um, And if you don't, you prevent great pain, but you never reach the desired end goal so it just it's 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 a bit of a, a brain teaser and in some weird parallel way it really sort of wraps up my feeling for uh not just the vintage not just the struggle to get pre-materia opening and dealing with oakland and land issues and just sort of the constant um, not turmoil but you know nothing is easy with this this is There is no cellar crew. I'm commuting two and a half hours a day each way to do this. It's a lot of struggle. It's a lot of work. And I'm proud of that. But it's also a lot of struggle and a lot of work. So uh, it wraps up that element. Plus, just the nature of the wine and what it's showing. Wines have a peculiar, uh, not just vintage, but I'm seeing it more and more just... The story that they tell, it's a little bit subtle and fine-grained sometimes. might be easy to miss unless you're, you know, really digging deep into a wine. But vintages carry a, I I can only use the term resonance, I'm not sure if that's accurate or not, but it's not, you know, spirit would be too foo-foo Berkeley. Um, They carry something, a cheese carries something. Something of the area, something of, you know, the terroir, the biome, but also the spirit, the geist, whatever, this is the philosophy part starting to leak out into metaphysics and aesthetics, so I apologize for that, but man, if the goal is to get different emotions trapped into a bottle, uh, and occasionally we approach that, um, I'm still struck and Happy, thrilled, in fact, with how different the 2016 San Giovese is as a line of intentionality versus the more hedonistic 2016 Barbera. Same vineyard, sometimes a hundred feet apart from each other, um, completely different aesthetics to the wine, uh, and that's that is an overarching focus for what the materia is and does I don't know how it works this is my 11th vintage I know it exists and I know we're creeping closer to it so uh so we're going to be bottling an unsulfured wine um this was unplanned uh normally if I was going to be bottling something unsulfured and it was going to have barrel aging uh I would have gone through extra sanitation procedures on the barrels I would have been extra reductive, making sure that I was gassing everything before moving the wine, CO2-ing barrels before transferring things in. I would have been on a more, uh, a tighter top-up schedule. Basically, I would be doing everything I know of that I'm capable of doing with my limited equipment to minimize the possibility of microbial uh, contamination down the road. Maybe I would have foregone... Barrel aging, I put the stuff into 15 year old barrels. I'm very careful with them, uh, but you know, that's a risk factor. Uh, press wine, low acid, that would not have been a first choice either. Something with more acidity just naturally has a little more uh, resistance to issues like that. Um, one good thing being press wine, it is reductive. Uh, it's going to be able to gobble up a lot of oxygen. It's still fairly young. So, uh, we're gonna bottle that. I will double sparge the bottles with nitrogen, double up on the cycle, making sure to remove even more of the oxygen. I wanna make sure we're not feeding Acetobacter or, you know, doing <laughs> trying to keep things from getting vinegary. Uh, on the technology side, if we were set up like a real winery, I would be doing all sorts of microbial analyses to know what different, you know, does my lactobacillus load look like, things like that, because that's where mousiness and kombucha and all those things that happen in wines that are defects, and they are defects, they are not products of intentionality or products of the grapes, um, I'd be looking to control those. I'm taking a flyer on this one. I got the glass cheap, I have the corks, I have the time. I need to clear the barrels the blend kind of sung. So yeah, just kind of gambling on this one. Very loose. Um, another thing I'll mention, uh, we'll push the fill height a little higher than TTB regulations, 750 mil probably as well. Just limiting more, uh, more space. Um, yeah, so this'll be, this'll be a fun adventure. Uh, next up, next week we'll be bottling 300 cases of 2017 Sangiovese not quite I'm I'm very pleased with the 2016 it is an aggressive wine a little, for people that are not familiar with Sangiovese and it's high strung nature demanding nature in fact the 2016 has been challenging for some consumers, the 2017 is softer, there was a little bit of field blending at the time Uh, of harvest and the way that that came out it's a little softer and more accessible ultimately it will probably be a better selling item it doesn't have quite the fighting spirit of the 2016 that i love so much uh but we'll see what happens after it gets into the bottle uh that will be next week and then it's full bore getting prepped up for harvest pressure washing everything sanitizing the crush pad washing all the tanks and uh getting the tractor gassed up and lots of samples. So far it's being very screwy and unpredictable. Uh, grapes are sort of all over the place on sugar and acid. Uh, but hopefully we'll see some recovering and leveling off over the next week with heat. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, we're gonna be getting into some interesting topics here, and crossing over into the food world as well in the future. So. Uh, I'm excited to bring uh, more more news and eventually more discussion also with other people. Thanks a lot.